Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and resources, visit hopeboon.com. Amen. So good to see you this morning. So good to be with you. How many of you had a great Thanksgiving? Yeah. Amen. All right. Praise God. How many of you ate too much? Amen. Way too much. Thank you, sir. Hallelujah. I ate way too much food. In fact, Thanksgiving night, I woke up at midnight and the thoughts going through my head were, why in the heck did you do this to yourself again? How many Thanksgivings is it going to take for me to learn not to go too hard in the paint? Amen. It's good to see you this morning. Good to be with you today. Could y'all give me a little bit more of this microphone in the house? Just a little bit. I don't want to feel like I'm shouting. All right. How many of you are ready for the word today? Amen. We'll take up our offering at the end. I'm going to share with you a quick scripture about that at the end. But I'm excited to continue this morning in the word with our series that we have been on. Um, if, if you have been here for the last five weeks... We have been on a series titled Carefree, and um, it's been a real blessing. As a matter of fact, we were talking about it uh, with our leadership team and just saying, you know, we need to we need to bundle this all together and make it really easily accessible to uh, to friends and family and people that need to hear this because it has it has been such an important message to our faith and to uh, to our lives and so I hope that you have benefited and have appreciated and enjoyed the message as much as I have enjoyed preparing it and sharing it with you. It's been stretching. It's been uh, encouraging. Uh, challenging and everything in between. So uh, very thankful for that. We're going to conclude that series today with part five. Um, And so I invite you to take your Bibles out this morning. Um, As you do, let's make our confession of faith as you're getting the word out. You'll see uh, on your screens the faith confession that we make. If you're new here and you've never been with us, this is something that we do right before we preach, right before we get into the Word together. We make this confession of faith. It comes out of Ephesians chapter 1, and uh, and this is something we like to say out loud and believe out loud together. If you're watching us online this morning, you'll see this on your screen as well. Let's declare it together. Say, thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you, My heart and mind perceive and understand your word and your will. Today, I am growing in the things of God. We believe that we're growing in the things of God this morning. In fact, I like to say, we believe you're going to be six inches taller spiritually by the time you leave this place than when you came in this morning. How many of you know growth is a good thing? Amen. All right. So uh, I want to conclude and bring to a close our series that's titled Carefree. It's been a series on mental health from God's perspective. And in this series, if you've been with us or if you've listened to it, you know that I've been walking us through the Word of God to help us to exterminate three things from our lives. Number one, anxiety. Number two, depression. And number three, despair. These are things, issues, that the world struggles with at profound levels. We see statistics that are almost mind-blowing to see how many people, even kids, are struggling with things like anxiety and depression and despair. And when I read those things, it, it, it concerns me, number one, and number two, it makes me angry. It makes me angry at the enemy. It makes me angry that, uh, that the enemy tries to take advantage of people. And, uh, and I believe that we as the church, as Christians, have the answer. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So we've been looking at those three things, eliminating anxiety, depression, and despair. Uh, we've looked at two main scriptures, and I want us to review those scriptures very quickly. The first one comes from the book of John, John chapter 15, verse 1, or excuse me, verse 11. John chapter 15, verse 11. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy should remain in you, and that your joy may be full. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. I had this thought this morning. When God's joy remains in you, 
your joy never runs out. It's always full. Like the gas tank in your car. How cool would it be if you could just drive forever and never have to put gas in your car? Wouldn't that be awesome? Save a few dollars in the budget every month. It'd be kind of nice. Well, how many of you know that when Jesus's joy remains in you, your joy tank never gets empty? Can you say amen? That's not my idea. That's a promise from the head of the church right here in the word of God. Now flip over to Philippians chapter four. This has been the other main scripture that we've used. Philippians chapter four, verse seven. And it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We drew some conclusions from those two verses, and those con- the conclusion is that joy and peace is the will of God for every single human being. Amen? Not just for the Christians, for everybody. God, how many of you know God loves everybody in the whole wide world? And he wants all of them to experience his joy and his peace through relationship with him. Amen? Real quickly, and then we'll get into our topic for today. I'm just kind of reviewing real high level real quick, okay? In the first week, we learned that joy and peace is the will of God for every single person. In the second week of our series, we learned that prayer is the cure for anxiety. Praise is the cure for depression. And faith is the cure for despair. In week three, we learned that Jesus wants to carry our cares. He wants to be our beast of burden. You remember that illustration? I brought Abigail up here. She had a backpack and she was weighed down with care. Jesus wants to carry those cares. And in exchange for those cares, he wants to clothe us in his joy. And then last week, we learned that the absolute necessity of renewing our minds to God's word. If you're going to live the life God's called you to, you're going to be required to renew your mind. Amen? Today's focus as we close this series is staying forever free. Staying forever free. Pastor, what do I need to do? I don't want to just get the victory. I want to maintain the victory my whole life. I don't want to get free in a service and go back home and fall back into the problems that I came with. Anybody ever been there besides me? We're going to talk about it today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this. Another opportunity to dive into your word and to understand what it is that you want us to know. Lord, I pray for tender hearts that we might receive and capture everything that you have for us. Lord, would you move amongst us? Holy Spirit, would you speak out of your word today that our hearts might perceive and know your very love for us? We give you the praise for these things in Jesus' mighty name and let everybody say amen. Amen. In the time I have today, I want to help you by talking to you about how to stay free. Not just how to get free, but how to stay free. I think that as as believers, sometimes we get challenged by by this reality that we we know how to come into the presence of the Lord. We know how to access the presence of God. We know how to come and be together as believers. And, uh, you know, the Bible says, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. So there's been times in our lives where Jesus makes us free. And then we find ourselves sliding back into the challenges that used to hold us captive. I want to help us all with this this morning. Um, The title of the series, as you know, is Carefree. And I took that title from a song um, by one of my favorite all-time artists. He's one of my favorite Christian artists, but also one of my favorite just all-time artists because he's an absolute monster at the guitar. His name is Phil Keggy. How many of you know who Phil Keggy is? Any older people especially will know who Phil Keggy is. If you, if you got saved in the 70s or 80s, you know Phil Keggy. He wrote a song called Carefree. And the chorus to that song, every time I sit down to type my notes and I see the title Carefree, I start singing this song in my head every time. But let me read you the, the words to the chorus of the song Carefree. It says, don't you know that everything is going to be all right? Haven't you heard the Father never lets you out of his sight? But he gives you room to grow because he wants to let you know that he really cares about you and me. So be free. Go and run your race. Don't delay. Go and fight the good fight of faith. And just like a child, be carefree. Isn't that awesome? 
I took the title of that, of the message from that because I love especially that last part. Go and run your race. Don't delay. Go and fight the good fight of faith. And just like a child, be carefree. You see, you can live in this life without cares, without anxieties, without depression, without despair, without so many of the things that the world can't seem to shake. You and I are designed to live free from all of those things. And not just live free for a moment, but be free. What did Jesus say in John 15? He said, I've spoken these things to you so that my joy could remain in you. God's idea for your freedom is not that it just be merely momentary, but that his freedom and his joy and his peace live in your life forever so that you're always experiencing the very best of God. Amen. Oh, man, that was bigger than you know. Let me say that one more time. So that you're always experiencing the best of God every day. I have a minister friend who says that every single day for the believer ought to be like Christmas morning. How many of you have kids? Let me see your hands if you have kids in here. You know what kids are like on Christmas morning. 5 a.m. Mom, Dad, wake up, wake up. Presents under the tree needs to be unwrapped. What do you got for me today? What's under the tree? What's under the tree? I want to, I can't wait. I got to get there and open it up. He says that, that, that that's how our lives should be like as we relate to the Lord every single day. Father, what do you got for me today? Oh, Lord, I can't wait to get out of bed and get in your presence. God, I can't wait to venture and journey with you today. God, what's, what cool thing are we going to uncover today, Lord? Every day can and should be an experience in God's best. Amen? So I want to close this series by discussing how to be free and stay free forever. The lyrics to that song are a fantastic reminder of the basis for everything that we have discussed thus far in this series. The basis for all of it is very simply faith. Faith in God. Faith that no matter what is going on in your life, God's got it. Faith in this simple reality that no matter what you're facing, God's got it. You can live carefree when you fully understand and fully know, you know what? The Lord's got it. No matter what I'm facing, God's got it, man. Like everything else in our lives, God can be trusted. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. God can be trusted. Maybe your dad couldn't, maybe your mom couldn't, maybe your grandparents or your uncles and aunts and maybe your boss can't be trusted. Maybe, maybe, there, maybe there's a lot of people in this world that can't be trusted, but God can be relied upon. The Bible says he is faithful. Amen. Always faithful. The simple trust in the reality that no matter what is going on in your life, God's got it. And I want to drive this home with you today. This is the big takeaway. Are you ready? If you're taking notes, you can write this down. I'm going to spend the remainder of my time driving this thought home today. The big takeaway is this, that your faith in how much God actually loves and values you is the key to staying free from cares. Your faith in how much God actually loves you and cares about you and values you is the key to walking a life that is free from despair and anxiety and depression and cares. If you want to have good mental health for the rest of your life, understand, get to know the reality that God values you. Amen? Developing your faith in the reality of how much God really loves you is the key to living forever free from anxiety, depression, and despair. Listen, think about the words to that song. Don't you know that everything is going to be all right? Haven't you heard the Father never lets you out of his sight? Amen. Now, I want us to look today in order to find this reality out from Scripture. I don't just want to make that statement and be, okay, praise God. God bless you, everybody. Go home. No, I want, to sh I want to prove this to you from Scripture. So turn to two passages. Two passages. The first one, Matthew chapter 6. 
The second one, Psalm chapter 8. And I'm going to read to you two passages of Scripture, lots of verses here today. So I want you to stay with me, and we'll all get there together, okay? I feel like we're on the tarmac getting ready to take off. And here we go. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to begin reading in verse 25, and then put your finger in Psalm 8. We'll get to that in just a second. Y'all doing all right this morning? All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I say to you, Jesus is talking here. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Very important statement. We're going to spend some time there. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? 21st century English. Which of you by worrying can make yourself one inch taller? That's what Jesus is saying. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how, or excuse me, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? I'm going to insert another one right in there. What are we going to do? Maybe, 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 for the question, maybe the question for you is not, what am I going to wear? I'm going to sidestep the temptation to insert a joke there and keep moving. Maybe the question is not, what are we going to eat? It's always the question at my house, what are we going to eat? But maybe, maybe these questions don't relate to you. Here's one that relates to everybody. What am I going to do? What am I going to do to fix the situation? What am I going to do to fix the situation? What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? You see, as long as you try to be your own source, God doesn't have anything to work with. Amen. Amen. Let's keep going. What shall we eat, drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things, verse 32, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your Father in heaven knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient to the day is its own trouble. You can't control tomorrow. You can only manage today. So don't even bother worrying about tomorrow. You can plan for tomorrow, but you're not allowed to worry about it. Amen. Now, go over with me to Psalm chapter 8. Hold your finger in Matthew 6 because we'll come back there. Psalm 8, I want to read beginning in verse 3. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. We're going to get to this chapter. You're going to go, why why are these two things tied together? Here it comes. Verse 3 of Psalm chapter 8. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you visit him? You've made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands, and you've put all things under his feet. These two passages, I've read them for many years, but have never put them together the way that I intend to put them together for you this morning. As I was studying Matthew 6, I was drawn by the Holy Spirit to come over to to Psalm 8 and and began to see why right away. 
The juxtaposition of these two passages, I believe, is profound. I'd never realized it before, but these passages address the same concept from different angles. The psalmist David in Psalm 8 asks this question. When I look at creation, what is man? We just got done reading it. When I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, the sun, everything, what is man? What? When I look at the grandeur of the universe and the splendor of all that you've created, what is little old piddly man got to do with anything? What is man? So the psalmist asks the question, when I look at creation, what is man? Jesus answers the question by saying, when I look at man, what is creation? Let me say it again. The psalmist asks the question, when I look at creation, what is man? Jesus answers by asking the question, when I look at man, what is creation? He said, look at the, look at the birds. Look at, look at the, the, the lilies. If God so clothes the lilies of the field, if God takes care of the birdies, every little birdie, God's making sure it's got a belly full of food. Are you not of more value than them? Jesus elevates the value of humanity with his question, are you not more valuable than these? Jesus expresses God's heart of love and value for humanity. This is of supreme importance. My friend, if you're going to live a life that is carefree, you're going to do it by understanding how valuable you actually are to God. You're going you're to live a life that is carefree as you understand how important your life actually is to the maker of the universe. God, how many of you know something? God values people. Amen. I love what my pastor, Pastor Jonathan, says. He says, he says we're not gathering great people to build a great vision. The people are the vision. We're not here to build a big, great church. We're here to build a big, great people. Because people are the vision. God cares about people. Everybody say this. Repeat after me. God cares about me. Feels good to say that, doesn't it? If it doesn't, check your religious heart for a second. God cares about me. Now, I'm going to say something. The challenge of Christianity, one of them, one of the big challenges of Christianity is to live with the full understanding that God cares about me and never let that attitude turn into pride. That's one of the biggest challenges of Christianity is to live within the full view of the fact that if, G if I was the only human being on planet Earth, Jesus still would have left heaven and died on a cross if it was only for me. It, that the challenge of understanding that, 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 that you get to live in the full reality of the fact that God loves you enough to die for you and then still never let it become about you. It's not easy, but that's why we have the word of God. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. That's why we have one another. We have the church. That's why we have all the things we have. But God's heart for humanity cannot be understated. In fact, Jesus is the one who said, are you not more valuable than these? Referring to the birds of the air. You see, God's heart for humanity is one of love and value. 
Many people wonder why we as Christians believe the, the way that we do. People often wonder why our Christian worldview is less concerned with saving baby whales than it is with saving unborn baby children. And it's because of verses like this. Now, if you can just for a moment put politics aside, because as soon as we start talking about the value of life and the sanctity of life, everybody starts thinking politically. And I understand why. But I want to press down into a little deeper issue, which is an issue of our worldview. Human life is the most sacred life in creation. I want you, in, in, in the statements I'm getting ready to make, I want you to, to hear how valuable you are to God. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, good. All right. Human life is the most sacred life in creation because human life is the only life that was made in the very image and likeness of its creator. Can I tell you, animals are not made in God's image? They're made by God's voice, but they're not made in his image. Your little kitty cat may be the sweetest. Your little dog may be such a good boy. Who's a good boy? <laughs> he ain't made in the image of God. There's two defining qualities about we as human beings that, that define and, and, and draw parameters around the difference between us and literally every other life on the planet or every other type of life on the planet. I'll say it that way. Number one, we are bearers of God's image. No other life in, in, in creation can say that. Number two, we have life in us because of the breath of God. No other life in the world, in the universe, has God's breath in it. I want you to think for just a second about the difference between you and the crickets and the birds and the deer. Josh Hamer has been sending me pictures of all the deer he and his family have been killing this, this week. I'm so excited, man. It's fantastic. Those things are going to be delicious. They're still not made in the image of God. They're beautiful to look at, though. I'm going to be honest with you. Hallelujah. I can't tell you how many times it's happened at least four or five times that I've been preaching and look out that window and I see deer walking across the back pasture of this, of this property. It's so funny. Think about this for just a second. When God wants to create, when God wanted to create something, he spoke to something else. I learned this from Miles Monroe decades ago. Dr. Miles Monroe. And he said, when God wants to speak to something or when God wants to create something, he spoke to something else. When God wanted to create the fish, he spoke to the sea. Right? Go back and read it. It's in Genesis. When God wanted, to, when God wanted birds, he spoke to the air. When God wanted plants and trees and grass, he spoke to the ground. When God wanted a man, he spoke to himself. He said, let us make man in our image. What is the validity of that? Why is that so important? It's because the environment in which you were taken from is the environment in which you belong. The fish was taken out of the ocean. It belongs in the ocean. God spoke to the ocean when he wanted fish. That means that the fish is supposed to live in the ocean. God wanted, when he wanted plants, he spoke to the ground. That means the plant is supposed to live in the ground. When God wanted man, he spoke to himself. That means you and I are supposed to live in him. Amen. These are the discerning and differing factors between us and all other life. When God wanted to make man after he had declared that he was going to do so, he got down low, came to the earth which he created, and fashioned man. Man is the only thing God fashioned. Everything else God spoke. Right? Am I making this up or is this all in the Bible? Just checking. Amen. God fashioned man, and after he was fashioned, he 
breathed his very nature and breath and life into the man that he has fashioned. No other living species can claim that. No other living species can say, I'm made in the image of God. Look at me, I'm a tiger. Made in the image of God. No, 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 no. You were made by the voice of God. But we as humans were made in the image of God, bearing the breath of God. It is of extreme importance to understand this because it determines how and why we even get to approach God. You and I have the ability to come The Bible says in in Hebrews chapter 4, we have the ability to come right into the throne of God. Right into the throne room of heaven. It says, let us come boldly before the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of trouble. You and I have the ability to go right to God's throne. Why? Because Jesus redeemed us and gave us the right to stand there. Why would he redeem us? Because he values us so So much because he put his image in us, because he put his breath in us. You need to know how valuable you are to God. God put his image in you and he cares very deeply about the things he has invested his image into. He's a responsible creator. (laughs) He cares about his investment. Think about it. God, listen, when God made humans, he invested himself into those humans. Those humans went on to produce all of us. He cares very much about his investment. You can go through the Old Testament. It's seven or eight times in the Old Testament. And and the Bible says, I'm going to do this, this, and this. For my own sake. Read in the Old Testament how many times God said, I'm going to redeem you for my own sake. What was he doing? Protecting his investment. I'm serious. What, why, why does God redeem man? Because he invested himself in man and he's going to protect his investment. Let me tell you, side note, he wants a return on his investment. He wants a return on his investment. Hmm. If you don't believe it, go read the parable of the talents and tell me I'm wrong. What happened to the guy who buried the money that God invested in him? He said, you lazy, wicked servant. God wants an investment on his, or is a return on his investment. He invested himself into us. He made us in his image. He invested his son to hang on a cross for us. He wants a return on his investment. And he wants to protect his investment. You're his investment. Thank you. Something, think of this. Something that is created is always most beloved by the one who created it. (laughs) Say, what does this have to do with my mental health? Literally everything. Because if you don't know how valuable you are to God, you'll never have the faith to trust him for peace of mind. You'll never have the faith to, to praise him instead of be filled with care and anxiety. You'll never have the faith to trust him enough to pray about everything so that you don't have anxiety about anything if you don't know how much he cares for you. Something created is always most beloved by the one who created it. If you don't believe that, Just try and throw away something that your children made at school. Amen. I can't tell you how many times this has happened to me. Because Vanessa and I are very similar. We were talking about this morning. We like throwing stuff away. What is this? Who knows? Get rid of it. We love doing it. There is some kind of happiness that comes into my life when I get to throw crap away. It is awesome. Hallelujah. Oh, did you feel the anointing? Just talking about it. Praise God. Woo! <laughs> you go, you know what I'm talking about? You go to try to throw that thing away and all of a sudden a child appears. What are you? Dad, what are you? What are you doing? They say, well, I'm throwing this away, but I made it. But I, I made it. 
I'm always like, you didn't even know this thing existed 45 seconds ago. This is six years old. Then I always ask the question, okay, you made it. What is it? What is it? Because it looks like somebody spilled spaghetti on a piece of paper. What, what is this? And then they always get you. Well, Dad, it's a picture of you and me. <laughs> and this, the vicious cycle begins again. <laughs> and then one day you're on storage wars and you got all this stuff. <laughs> No, the, the thing that is created is always the most beloved by the one who created it. God made you. Are you not more valuable than these? Psalm 8, verse 4, where we begin reading, it says, What is man that you are mindful of him? The word mindful in the Hebrew means to bring something back into remembrance or to be on someone's mind. And then it goes on to say, what is man that you're mindful of him? What is, what is man that man is just on your mind a lot? I mean, can you, can you grasp that for a second? The maker of heaven and earth has you on his mind. Of all the things God could care about, in the universe, and somehow he cares about you. So much so that you're on his mind. <laughs> what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you visit him? Visit means to watch over. I, when, when I was studying this, I, I immediately got a, a flashback in my mind to being at my grandmother's house, my nona. She, she lived, she lived in, in a neighborhood in Niagara Falls, New York. And, and for the longest time, it's not like this anymore, but for the longest time, while her generation was still alive, everybody in her neighborhood, they all knew each other. They all got to the neighborhood right around the same time. Most of them came from roughly the same part of Italy. And everybody knew everybody. And so when we would go to Nona's house, we would sit on the porch after dinner and people would just come over. This doesn't happen anymore. Nobody just drops in anymore. You notice that? Do you, does anybody besides me miss that? I miss just dropping in, just unannounced. Like, like y'all are just kind of getting ready for bed and there's, who's here, you know? And it's, oh, look, it's Lena from down the street. She brought cookies. Amen. Put on a pot of coffee. I got that image in my mind as I read this verse. What is the son of, what is man that you're thinking about him? What is the son of man that you visit him? What, what, why is man so important that you would stop what you're doing and drop by his house for a visit with some cookies? Why is man so important? Well, he tells us in verse five. You have made him a little lower than the angels. You've made him a little lower than the angels. Now, at first glance, that doesn't mean a whole lot. But when you press into it a little bit and read the Bible in the language it was written, you find out that the word angels is actually the word Elohim, which is the word for God. Why is it that man is on your mind? Why is it that you drop in and pay him a visit and watch over him? You've made him a little lower than Elohim. The psalmist is saying, you've made him a little lower than yourself. You've made him in your image. That's what he's saying. Why is man so important? Because man's the only one that carries the image of God. So much so that when you come back over to Matthew 6, Jesus begins to put it all in perspective for us. Don't worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. 
Now, stop right there because I found it interesting that Jesus is actually addressing two different categories of worry. And they don't really have anything to do with food or clothing as much as they have to do with internal and external. Think about this for a second. Don't worry about your life, okay? What you will eat or what you will drink. In other words, what's going on the inside. Or what you will put on. In other words, what's going on the outside. In other words... Don't worry about stuff going on on the inside and don't worry about stuff going on on the outside. How many of you have days where you're just tied up in knots on the inside? Anybody besides me? You got all kinds of crazy stuff going on on the inside. Jesus' prescription is not to worry about it. (laughs) How many of you have ever had days where you feel like you're getting attacked from the outside? feel like everything's coming against you. I spilled coffee on my shirt. I stubbed my toe on the way out this morning. My car got, you know, rear-ended. and I... It's frustrating. I talked to somebody this week that they called and they were nervous because they thought their car got stolen and they just didn't look for it hard enough. <laughs> it was great. But you ever have one of those days, man, where it's just like nothing's going right? Like you pull into the drive-thru to get your lunch and like six people just manage to get in front of you real fast? Having one of those superficially terrible days. Been there. Yeah, amen. No, listen, Jesus, I believe, this is my personal belief, Jesus is using food and drink and clothing to symbolize when we've got stuff going on on the inside and when we've got things come pressing on us on the outside. And Jesus' answer to it is don't worry about any of it. Not pretend like it's not there. Not bury our head in the sand. But simply don't worry about it. You know, you can deal with things without worrying about them. You ever, be, you ever been around somebody who prays nervous prayers? Like they're praying because they're panicking, not because they love Jesus. Do you know what I'm saying? You don't have to live like that. You don't. You pray with confidence. Oh, yeah, stuff can be going. Listen, the world can be going to hell in a handbasket around you. It doesn't mean that it has to impact you. You can deal with it without worrying about it. Amen. He goes on. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap. They don't gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Here it is one more time. Are you not of more value than they? Is Jesus pulling the wool over our eyes? Is he deceiving us? Or is there just something we haven't really yet understood? Either he's... Either he's yanking our chain and he's lying to us about how much he values us. Or we just haven't yet learned how much he really does value us. Don't take my word for it. These are Jesus' words. Are you not of more value than they? If God takes care of the birds, he's going to take care of you. If God makes creation as beautiful as it is, he will take care of you. You are more valuable to him than everything around you. When I look at creation, what is man? Jesus said, when I look at man, what is creation? I left my throne for man. I left eternal glory for man. I died on a cross for man. I gave it all for man. He goes on to say, After all of these things, 
the Gentiles seek. Verse 32. But your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. He makes a very important statement there, a very important distinction. All the stuff that we're worried about, those are all the things that the Gentiles are worried about. Well, who are the Gentiles? What's the, what's the cultural context tell us about this passage? Who are the Gentiles? It's the people who don't have a covenant with God. It's those people who don't know God. Jesus is saying, you have a benefit. You have an advantage. What's your advantage? God's made a covenant with you. If he'll take care of the birds, baby, he's going to take care of you. So don't worry. Live free. Go and run your race. Don't delay. Go and fight the good fight of faith. And just like a child, be carefree. You don't have to worry. You don't have to strive. You don't have to be threatened when the world is threatened. You don't have to be filled with anxiety when the world is filled with anxiety. You don't have to be filled with care when the world is filled with care. Why? I have a covenant with God. And I'm more valuable to God than all the stuff around me. He saved me. He saved you. Now again, you, you know I said it at the beginning... This doesn't give us a license to act like a butthead and be full of pride and arrogance. Well, Jesus loves me more than he loves you. No, read your Bible. You got it wrong. He loves me more than he loves my dog, but he doesn't love me more than he loves my wife. Right? So don't let this become ammo for your pride. But do let it become a healing ointment that soothes the heart that religion has beat up so that you understand that you have intrinsic value to your heavenly father. You were born with value. And, and, and our sin separated us and marred the human race. But God sees through that and sees to the fact that he put his image in you, that he breathed his breath into you. Jesus thinks you're, redeem, you're worth redeeming. Amen? I want to give you five things as I close right now. We'll, you don't even have to write these out. We'll, we'll put them out on social media this week. These five points. Because I, I don't want to leave you with goosebumps and no practical advice. Maybe you don't have goosebumps. I do. but Might be because I'm hungry. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. I want to leave you with five pieces of practical advice. Can I give you some advice? Okay. How, how do you stay free? Number one, stay close to this reality that God values you. You got to keep this fresh in your thought life, man. God values me. Jesus thinks I'm worth saving. Number two, stay connected to God. Stay connected to the Spirit of God. Read the Bible. Pray the Word. Confess the Word every single day. Stay connected to the Lord. This is what's going to help you to live above all the anxiety. Number three, this is, this is one that we don't like. Stay accountable. Surround yourself with people who think like you do. You know what our problem is? We think we're okay alone. We think we're fine. No, I'm good. I don't have to call people. I don't have to interact. I don't have to rely on my brother, my sister. I'm good. No, you're not. You're not. You need, you need the body. Listen. Anyways. It's about to get on a soapbox, but I just leave it alone. Stay accountable. Number one, stay in close reality. 
to the fact that God loves you. Number two, stay connected to the Spirit of God. Number three, stay accountable. Number four, stay in church. Make church attendance your new habit. Amen. See, the Lord wanted to punctuate that reality. <laughs> it did it again, didn't it? That's all good. Amen. Technology, man. Who needs it? Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Says the IT professional in the room. <laughs> now listen, I know I'm preaching to the choir this morning, but stay connect, connected and committed to church. Don't let it be optional. We do this all the time. Just let church and the things of God be optional. I always liken it to school. You get your kids to school every Monday morning. Why? Because they need to be there. Why? Because if they're not there, they're going to miss something important. And you think church is any different? Hey, just let me step on your toes real quick before I let you go. Why do we think, why do we think that being involved and together in the house of God is somehow less valuable than making it to work on time on Monday morning? I just don't want my kids to get left behind. But you're okay with your whole family getting left behind in the things of God. I'm just going to leave that there. And then number five. <laughs> Again, I'm preaching to the choir. Y'all are here, so... Congratulations. Amen. You're here on a, on a holiday weekend, so kudos, y'all. For real. I'm being serious. Number five, stay on the lookout for somebody to help. Find somebody else that needs the victory that you're walking in. It's a wonderful way to stay in the victory that you're walking in. Amen. Stay close to this reality that God values you. Stay connected. Number three, stay accountable. Number four, stay in church. Number five, stay on the lookout for somebody to help. Amen. There's people around you that need the victory that you are walking in, so find them. Amen. Find them and speak into their lives. You'll be amazed at how much easier it is to walk in strength when you're busy helping somebody else who's not strong. Amen. Well, I've preached myself into a happy place. You can stand up to your feet this morning. Thanks again for listening to the Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to see people from all walks of life know Jesus, connect and grow, discover their purpose, and make a difference in this world. If you would like to connect with us further, or if you need prayer or assistance, please visit us at hopeboon.com, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.